His name is famous around the world. The man that basically made Aston Martin world famous has had many cars throughout his movies. James Bond, as we all know, has had so many amazing vehicles from his Aston Martin to his current Aston Martin. A few one-offs and a few encounters with Lotus and Ford. He has been there and he has done that. But what about the cars that chase him? What about the vehicles that try to bring down James Bond? Today, we're going to take a look at a few of the most memorable cars to ever go after Bond. Autologues.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Welcome back to Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. himself, coming to you from our host site, podbeam.com, and our main website with all of our information, inclusive of pre-existing podcasts that have never been heard before, and online videos, autolux.net. That is www.autolux.net is where you'll find all the information from the company bringing you this podcast. Today, we're taking a look at Bond villain cars. Yes, there have been a few villain cars in James Bond. Goldfinger actually had two, believe it or not. Now, a lot through the history of these villain cars have never been portrayed as something desirable. They have never been the main focal point of the movie until recently. There's only been one time in history up until the early 2000s when James Bond's villain had a worthy opponent vehicle. And that was in the man with the golden gut. We will get there in a minute. But like we said, Goldfinger had two. Because Goldfinger himself rode around in a Rolls Royce Phantom 3 from 1937. Remember that car that was gold plated on the inside? And that's how he managed to sneak gold between countries without getting caught. Put it in a Rolls Royce and then melted the thing down. Now, that was a pretty sad to see when they were melting down in 1937 Rolls Royce, but he's a villain nonetheless. He did send Oddjob out to go pick up the crushed cars from the FBI agents in a 1964 Ford Ranchero when they're in Kentucky. Not a notable vehicle, not something everybody remembers, but to this day, when I think Goldfinger, I could still see Oddjob driving that Ranchero. I don't care that James Bond had a Thunderbird when he was in the States, but that movie did bring out the Aston Martin DB4 for James Bond and put that car into the spotlight. Made James Bond a worthy man with a worthy car. The Ranchero wasn't really worthy, but it was kind of cool that they managed to pick up the FBI agents, crush their car, turn it into a cube, and then put it in the back of the truck to bring to Goldfinger. Basically stating the fact that, hey, we got rid of them. Don't worry about that tale. 1969 Mercedes-Benz 600 was used on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Now, this vehicle wasn't really utilized for much besides a limousine. We really didn't see much until, until Live and Let Die and the Man with the Golden Gun. The Man with the Golden Gun was the big one because the man with the golden gun, AMC was trying to promote their products in a world market. They weren't just focusing on the US. They went after the Asian markets and they were trying to promote their products with the AMC Hornet that James Bond drove and the AMC Matador Coupe. Now, this car, the greatest thing about it is that when driven into the barn with a spit of spare time from James Bond chasing them, it turned into a flying car. It was one of the first notable villain vehicles that had a feature to it. This villain car got away from Bond because it became a plane. Bond was chasing him in his Hornet, did an epic barrel roll jump across the river, and still managed to lose them only because their car turned into a plane. Sad to say. Now, Love Let Die didn't have anything major, but it does have a memorable car. It does have a Cadillac Fleetwood, which he does refer to as a pimp car with its massive front grille, something that was around 
around in, in the 1970s, but really, it never made a big stance in the movie. Unlike the Matador in The Man with the Golden Gun, and the next vehicle that everybody remembers comes from the f- most famous meeting of a James Bond characters. On the movie, The Spy Who Loved Me, the most famous James Bond character appeared, and he appeared in a 1977 Leyland Sherpa van in Egypt to take care of Bond. Jaws drove a Leyland Sherpa van. Yes, Jaws, that monster of a man with metal teeth came after Bond in a van. <laughs> yeah. Remember he threw them in the back of it and took them out. He was going to get rid of them. Tore open the roof. Like it wasn't a memorable vehicle, but everybody remembers Jaws. Jaws, one of the most famous James Bond characters, who is a villain in The Spy Who Loved Me, but became a friend in Moonraker. Now in Roger Moore's last James Bond movie, he did have a car chase scene at the very beginning of his last movie, A View to a Kill. His car was broken in two, and he only drove, showcasing the abilities of a front-wheel drive vehicle. But he was being chased by a Renault Furgo Turbo, as Renault tried to regain some prosperity in the United States and worldwide as being a respected automaker. Fortunately, people didn't really see that and they only saw a broken and a half car. So, who really cares? It really wasn't until Pierce Brosnan showed up in GoldenEye. GoldenEye had two views. Most people don't remember the, the Gaz 310-29, but they do remember the beginning of it when Mrs. Onatop is driving her Ferrari 355 GTS Targa racing James Bond's Aston Martin DB4 down the hill to Monte Carlo. That made that movie amazing. GoldenEye wasn't the world's greatest movie, but the video game that preceded it became one of the best multiplayer games of all time. I really wish in the game they would have actually had the 355 GTS Targa racing the Aston Martin. A close race in that game would have made it even better. Now, if you don't remember the gas that was in that movie, that was utilized when Pierce Brosnan hops into the tank and chases them in Russia. Not memorable, but the car is there. Moving on to The World Is Not Enough, Pierce Brosnan's third movie as Bond. We all know that they were in Russia. And what does Bond show up in? And the villains? Lada Nevis. This showcased that these vehicles were still in production and still heavily utilized around the world. Villains chose Lada Nevis. Why? Because they were durable. They were just as durable to get through anything as James Bond. And they knew that. The villains knew that. So they utilized Alada Neva. Moving on to the best James Bond. The last Pierce Brosnan movie appeared when I was in my second year of college. My friend ditched me because he wanted to go hang out with some other people. And him and I had already made plans to go see it. Well, I chose to go see it anyways. Yes, I went by myself to see a movie on opening day. But it's James Bond. And Diner the Day was an amazing James Bond movie. One of my most favorite ones. Only for one major part. James Bond may have had a vanquish that vanished. But the villain, the guy with the very expensive diamond acne, showed up in a Jaguar XKR outfitted with rockets, machine guns, and heat signature. He was able to see Bond. Even though Bond's car was invisible to the naked eye, the Jaguar could see him. And as Bond and him fought it out, firing rockets, blowing tires, hell, even at one point, utilizing the ejection passenger seat, that Jaguar still managed to go after Bond. It wasn't until the two massive rams on the front and the Vanquish disappeared did the car get beat. We 
all know James Bond has a lot more gadgets in his cars. But that was the first time anybody had ever seen a car chase scene with a villain with gadgets. The AMC Matador from The Man with the Golden Gun didn't really have gadgets. It just turned into an airplane. It was kind of cool. And it was really cool for its time. But the Jaguar from Die Another Day had gadgets. It had potential. It had amazing things in it. You know, Tomorrow Never Dies had Mercedes chasing him through a parking garage. But that BMW, your eyes were focused on that BMW racing around that parking lot with all of those amazing gadgets. When Die Another Day came out, everybody was astonished by the fact that James Bond villain had a car with gadgets as well. It was comparable. We all thought while well, sitting in that theater on that Friday night, how is James Bond going to get out of this? How is he going to defeat a guy that could see him when he's invisible, who has heat-seeking missiles and machine guns? He's got things to go up against him. He had the products to beat Bond. But why didn't he? Well, it's James Bond. The name's in the title, which means he's the only guy in the movie that can't die. We haven't seen anything quite like the Jaguar from Dying of the Day ever again. And it's Pierce Brosnan was removed from being James Bond, unfortunately, as he wanted to do a few more movies to have the same amount as both Sean Connery and Roger Moore, we got Daniel Craig. In Casino Royale, they showed up with another Jaguar, an XJ8 in Casino Royale. Ooh, and it showed up. Besides that, there was not a lot of emphasis on vehicles, barely any, until the last movie, until Spectre. The directors have finally realized that people want to see car chases and gadgets in James Bond. In the fourth Daniel Craig movie, Spectre, they wanted to show us that. They wanted to show us that James Bond could have a cool car, as he did with this one-off Aston Martin. But Dave Bautista had a card up his sleeve as he jumped into a Jaguar CX-75 concept car. Something Jaguar had considered for a long time to bring out to the public. To bring back the XJ220 for today. Unfortunately, that car never came out. And even with it showing up in the Bond movie and significant demand growing for it, Jaguar pulled the plug and said no. They moved on to electric power systems and have stated that the CX-75 was an amazing concept that floated around the world for nearly six years, but was never going to come out. Dave Bautista was one of the few people who got to drive that car and be in it. Well, his stunt double. He did to get the pop into it too. But we all wanted it. It's a car we wanted. It helped promote Jaguar as a true luxury builder. Had they built it, they would have had a true Halo model. But unfortunately, they didn't. Now, the funny thing with all of this is if you've ever noticed, there's a lot of Jaguars being used by villains. A lot. Spectre was no different as it utilized both Jaguars and Land Rovers. Lots and lots of Land Rover Defenders. And the new one, No Time to Die, is going to utilize even more Land Rover Defenders of the new generation in it. So finally, somebody's starting to see that there should be more more emphasis put on to James Bond's villains products just as much as James Bond. They need Bond to compete with people who are comparable to him. Not just driving around in just a standard Ford Mustang that he destroys the tire on in his DB4 like in Goldfinger, but driving around in a Jaguar XKA outfitted with as much gadgets as his. This is something we want to see. This is something James Bond needs. He needs a worthy adversary. And the CX-75 was it as it was fast and it could catch up with that Aston Martin. Unfortunately, they never built it. It's too bad because we really, really would like to have it. So maybe in No Time to Die, we'll get to see more villain vehicles and more emphasis on the villain vehicles. Whereas Jaguar says, have you ever noticed most villains in movies are of British descent and most of them drive Jaguars?
was a tagline they once used. And guess what? More villains in James Bond movies have driven Jaguars than any other brand. Are Jaguars synonymous with villains? If they are, I guess I'll have to take up another job if I ever buy one. <laughs> so all in all, we wanted to bring to light that there are some worthy adversaries in the villain car market for James Bond movies. It's not all just about James Bond. Sometimes it's about James Bond's villain's vehicle just as much. And there are a few cars that are notable from the movies that now after hearing this podcast, you might think to yourself and go, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. It wasn't just a police car or some crappy sedan or like, does anyone remember what vehicle villains were driving down the hill for your eyes only chasing the Traction Avon? No, nobody remembers watching that 2CV get chased or what vehicles were chasing it. Like the movie Ronin. Everybody remembers the Audi S8, but they don't remember anything else chasing them. Just that car. So we're glad that James Bond is finally putting an emphasis on the villain's vehicles just as much as James Bond's. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment, or even tell somebody who likes James Bond about this podcast. Consider the fact they might learn something and remember, bring back some history from James Bond to them. And you could do so by tagging autolux.net or hashtag autolux on your social media feeds, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, whatever's going, just do it. And if you're looking for what autolux has for you, more so than our host site from Podbeam, check out www.autolux.net and check out our corporate websites links, our calendar of important automotive pinnacle moments, rated vehicles, podcasts, our blog, or even read a book to your children in our children's book section. Autolux, we have it all. Big or small, we have them all. Autolux.net. So for myself and Autolux and James Bond, strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride as the villains now have gadgets.